Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak. Speaking is an art that can be fed and fine-tuned with training. Deirdre Van Nest knows how to do that, and she also knows talented individuals who can help you rise to an occasion and hold an audience in your hand. In this episode of her podcast, Deirdre's guest is Craig Valentine, a motivational speaker and speech coach. Now, Deirdre, how do you know Craig? Craig, I would have to say has been one of the most instrumental people in my life. I absolutely would not be where I am today in my career without him. And I think as, as we have this conversation, you'll see why. Craig, I'm so honored that things have come full circle and I can invite you as a guest on my podcast to share your wisdom because in my opinion, and I know this isn't just my opinion, you've actually won awards to this effect. You are one of the best professional speakers, keynoters in the entire world. So thank you for being you and thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm a big fan of yours and and obviously we're friends and it's always good to know that I've had an impact on somebody's life. I always wanted to touch the lives of people who are going to touch the lives of other people. I'm just so proud of you and, and so grateful to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. And, you know, Craig and I started out like our relationship started out through a book. Here's the thing if for my listeners, if, if you're if you're seeking out a mentor, don't discount the, the 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 book or starting the relationship with the person in the book. What happened for me was back in 2008, when I started my career as a as a speaker, I talked about this, I think it was in episode two, I believe that I was terrified. I mean, I was absolutely terrified. And the only reason I spoke was because I was in a coaching business, not about speaking, I was coaching people on the fears and excuses that hold them back in their life. And people said, you got to speak. You got to get out there and speak. And it was something I absolutely didn't want to do, but was pretty convinced that I needed to do it. So I thought, all right, I need a mentor. And at the time, Craig, I had no money, right? I was just starting my business. I had no money. And I just started Googling books on public speaking because I figured if I had a process, like how bad could I be? right? Like if I had a process right. to follow, at least I'd be doing some things well. And I stumbled upon your book. And so I want to, I want to mention it here. Cause I think it is probably the best book out there on public speaking, world-class speaking. So if you need a speaking book, world-class speaking, stumbled upon the book, got introduced to this amazing man, Craig Valentine, did everything he said, and then started following him online, took his classes, we met in person, and then eventually became one of your certified coaches, which we'll talk about later. First, I would love for you to share with our listeners, like, how did you get started in speaking? Because you kind of have an interesting story too. It wasn't easy for you either. It wasn't easy. And people think it was easy because I, they only see the, the outside of it. Like when I joined Toastmasters, which was the first step, that was 1998. And then I got what's called a competent Toastmaster award in March of 1999. And then I won the world championship in August of 1999 in my very first try. So people think, and they come up to me and they say things like, wow, it's just so easy for you. You never even mm. lost a speech contest. And I have to correct them. And I have to say, yes, I did. See, what they don't know is I lost the, the what's called the humorous speaking contest, and I lost it, Deirdre, at the lowest possible level, mm. the club level. 
And I'll never forget a, a seasoned Toastmaster named Alan Mish came up to me afterwards and he said, Craig, you, you can win the world championship of public speaking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just lost the humorous speech contest at the lowest possible level. And he said, that's all right. He said, the only thing wrong with your humorous speech was that it wasn't funny. And I just started <laughs> start cracking up. <laughs> but, but he's the one who influenced me to go to the world championship. So I competed in that for about six months. And lo and behold, in Chicago in 1999, I was standing there as the winner of the world championship of public speaking. So then people say, well, that it must have been easy after that. You just went out there and you started speaking in your career and getting paid. No. When I won the world championship, it allowed me to travel around the world, Deidre, and speak for free, mm, everywhere mm -hmm. for free. Yes. And I took advantage of it and, and spoke for free until I could get good enough so I can go from speaking for free to speaking for fee. And that's what ended up happening. And a couple of decades later, I'm still here doing it. Tell the story about Patricia Fripp and tell our listeners who Patricia Fripp is. I just, I love the, the Patricia Fripp story. Well, when I was in prison visiting, <laughs> an inmate came up to me after my presentation. He said, Craig, uh, I'm getting out of here in a few months. And I'm feeling really good about life. I, I feel like I'm, I'm back on the right track. And I said, well, you know, there's a quote by Will Rogers who says you might be on the right track, but if you just stand there, you'll be run over. Mm. Right. So I, I ask my audiences this all the time, Deidre. I said, you ever wonder if you're getting better or worse at what you do? I wondered that. So I decided to call up a, a speech coach and, and I called her up and I said, listen, I want you to coach me and I want you to coach me on speaking. She said, do you know how much I charge? I said, it doesn't matter. She said, wow, good. That, that's great. It's $4,000 per day. I said, well, I'm pretty happy with the skills that I have. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up and I ended up going and getting coached by Patricia Fripp, who I think is one of the greatest speech coaches in the world. And I went out mm -hmm. to Vegas for two days. She coached me and she said to me, she said, tell me the beginning of your keynote speech. So I'm all confident. And I went through the first couple of lines of my keynote speech. And she turned to me and she said, I would recommend that you never start that way again. And I said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to leave my ego out on the strip because this is going to be different. And that's when I came to realize after those two days that, yeah, I had won the world championship. Things were going my way. But what got me here won't get me there. Right. What got me here won't get me there. It always takes new tools, new strategies, new techniques and new ways. And so that started me off on a journey of kind of reinvigorating myself as a speaker and learning more about it and studying it and from all different directions until I could become more valuable for my audiences. So I, I have, I have Patricia Fripp to thank for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love you. You're so humble, like more valuable for your audiences you are, but also become one of the best speakers in the world. Oh, thank you. Thank yes, you. Yes. I can say that about you. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, what's interesting about what you're saying, and I'm sure as a speaking coach, you, you hear this too, where, you know, people will come to you and they're like, yeah, I'm already pretty good. I don't really, you know, people tell me I'm great. Yeah. I don't need help. Let's talk about the people tell me I'm great comment. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> you mean like people come to me and they say they're already good? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and then that person will be like, I don't need a speaking coach because people tell me I'm already great at this. Yeah, I would probably tell them the same story. You know, I thought I was good, but what got you here won't get you there. Marshall Goldsmith later coined it in the book, right? What got you here won't get you there. Yeah. But it is actually interesting because even people sometimes, Deirdre, I don't know if you've run across this or not, even some people who do contact me for coaching don't really want education. They want validation. Absolutely. 
right? Yes. They, they wanted me to say everything you're doing already is already good. And there was a gentleman that I met named Gene Parrott. Gene Parrott was Bob Hope's lead comedy writer for the last 10 years of Bob Hope's career. I met him in, in Toronto, Canada, and we were sitting on a step outside of a conference. And he told me the story about this gentleman who wanted to wanted to get coached by him for comedy, right? And he was like, I'm not taking on any more clients. I'm just not, I, I don't have time. I don't have it. And he begged him and he's just so nice to him. He said, and he said, you're the best ever. Please coach me. So Gene Perrette coaches this guy. After he gives the guy some feedback, the guy looks at him and says, you don't know what's funny anymore. <laughs> you're washed up. Wow. Meanwhile, Gene Perrette, his clients are like the lead writer for the Tonight Show and different things. But Gene looked at me and he said, Craig, what this guy came to me for was validation not mm, education. Yeah. And so anytime I coach somebody nowadays, the first thing I ask them is, did you come here for validation or did you come here for education? And I tell them the Gene Parrott story. And that's an agreement that we have before we even start the coaching process. I love that. That That is great. And just, you know, this whole idea of what got you here won't get you there. I, I really want my listeners to to soak that in because even if you're at a place in your your career, whether you're, you know, a leader inside an organization, whether you're a professional speaker like Craig or me, or you're a professional service provider, and you think you're a really good speaker and people have said, yeah, yeah, you're you're good. There is still so much more to learn. And I can promise you, if you haven't trained with someone like Craig or someone like me, you haven't even scratched the surface of your potential. That's right. And you, you, yeah, I do. And you know what makes me mad about that sentence of what got you here won't get you there. I had been saying that for years. And then in 2007 or eight, I'm coming back from a speaking engagement. I walk into a bookstore, which is where I, I live in the bookstores and in the, in the airports, and I see a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There from Marshall Goldsmith. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have coined that years ago. But okay, you know it. what? I feel you because you know what's mine? What's you that? know what's mine? What's that? The Arnie Palmer is mine. Is that right? Yes, it is. I was asking for that combo like 30 years ago when <laughs> people would look at me like I was a high maintenance customer. They would look at me like, oh, you're one of those. And then all of a sudden, it's an army, Arnie Palmer decades later. So I always ask for the Deirdre Van Nest because it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I get you. But, but there's a lesson there, right? If you have, you know, I'm big on foundational phrases. I'm big on things that people can remember and repeat and retweet and repost. If you have something, publish it. Find yes. a way to publish it. Publish it online. Publish it in a book. Get on stage and deliver it. So when people hear that, they'll think of you rather than somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want, I want to take you back a bit because there's this misnomer that you're either to be a really powerful presenter, to be one of the best in the world like you are, Craig, you have to be born as a really great speaker already. And I'll tell you what, I bought into that misnomer for years and it, and it kept me off the stage. And I have a lot of clients who will come to me and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I, I can never be good at this. And I'm like, oh no, 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 you just watch with the right training and, and, and the right, you know, the know-how, absolutely you can be amazing. So can you share your story? And I don't wanna give away the punchline. I think you know which story I'm referring mm -hmm. to sure. so that people can see, I don't care where you started, it's, it's where you end up and what you do in the middle to get there. Sure. And let me first say that I'm an introvert, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert. Johnny Carson was an introvert. A lot of speakers and comedians are introverts. I always tell my audiences, I'm the least likely person to be the world champion of public speaking. I'm the least likely person to be a communicator of any kind, because 
when I was 10 years old, something very disturbing happened to me for a 10 year old. And I was yeah. walking in the Columbia mall where I lived and I ran into a father or one of my friends. I'm going to refer to him as Mr. H. Right. And you know, you know, about Mr. H. And Mr. H came up to me. I'm 10 years old by myself. He says, Hey, Craig, how you doing? And I told him, he said, what's going on in your life? And I told him, but he just kept looking at me really strange. And then finally he looked down at me and told me that I had a lisp, right? Mm -hmm. A speech impediment. And here are his exact words, Deirdre. He said, Craigie, don't talk anymore because every time you open your mouth, you remind me of Daffy Duck. Mm. I don't know what you know that does to a 10-year-old kid, but it, my confidence, my esteem, everything plummeted. It's brutal. Brutal. It's brutal. And, and for the next four or five years, Deirdre, you couldn't get a word out of me. Yeah. The, the, the popular motivational speaker, Les Brown, says when you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. I didn't want people making fun of me. Yeah. Right? Oh. But finally, after about four or five years, when I forced myself to face reality and I started going through what I now call my four R's to remarkable results, I can stand before you today as the 1999 world champion of public speaking. But that's not even the best part. Here's the best part. And I promise you this for anybody who's listening. Here's the best part. The same people who kicked you when you were down will pat you on your back as you move forward mm, mm -hmm. because you persevered, because you're remarkable. And the case in point is October 1999, two months after I won the world championship, I'm at the Supreme Sports Club in the parking lot in Columbia, Maryland, where I live and I'm where I go work out. You can't see me, but if you if you saw me, you could tell I, I, I work out. Anyway, <laughs> and I overheard this familiar raspy voice coming towards me. And I couldn't believe, Deirdre, that 18 years after our incident in the mall, I'm coming face to face with an older Mr. H. Yeah. Hearts pounding, wow. right? Hearts pounding, because he still had that hold on me. You of know? course. Right? And so he comes walking up to me and he looks at me with those same strange eyes. And then he looks up at me and says, hey, Craig, how you doing? And I said, I'm fine, Mr. H, how are you? He just, he looked at me and he said, I read your articles. He said, I saw you in the newspaper, man, that's wonderful what you've been able to accomplish. He said, but Craig, that one article, I can't believe that at the tender age of 10, some <gasps> man would have the nerve. No. Yes. No. <laughs> they didn't even remember oh. to call you Daffy Duck. Oh. And, and so I said, Mr. H, I don't quite know how to tell you this, but it was you. Ah! <laughs> he said, it was me. I said, yeah, you don't even remember. He said, no, Craig, but I'm sorry. I'm really oh. sorry. But by now, Deirdre, I got 18 years of anger. Yes. Bottled up inside of me. I, I asked one audience one time, Deirdre, I said, you ever had 18 years of anger? And one girl in the front said, um, excuse me, I, we're in high school. <laughs> like I'm 17 <laughs> right now. I don't even have 18 years of life. <laughs> I wanted to just give him the business, right? I wanted to just tell him off and... But then I, something clicked in that moment. And I said, you know what, Mr. H, I would not be the world champion. I would not be the speaker. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even be the man I am today if you hadn't stopped and confronted me and made me face reality. Mm. So I said, Mr. H, thank you. But Deirdre, I couldn't let him off the hook like that. I said, but Mr. H, as far as you not even remembering what you did to me, I think that's despicable. And we laughed and we <laughs> we just and we hugged and we cleared the air and and everything was fine. And I and I oh. want to thank him. I want to thank him because he helped me turn my adversity into an advantage just by facing that reality. When you face reality, you can change it, right? Yeah. It, it's like James Baldwin said, not everything that's faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. 
And so I had to face that reality in order to change it. And if I can, Deirdre, I just want to say we lost Mr. H about three months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. He was a big part of my life. And, and I want to just thank him for that. But that's, that's my story. I, didn't, I wasn't born with a microphone. You can do this no matter where you start, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. You, you can turn any adversity into an advantage. Well, and so that's what I do. I just want to ask my listeners this question right now. Like, what reality are you avoiding? Mm. And, mm. and what reality do you have to face right now in order to make the change in your life you want to make? It's a very important question. You can go back to AA and NA, and you can understand that the first step is always admitting it right? Admitting that you have a problem in order to change it, admitting, facing that reality so that you can reform it. I remember one time I was in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota in the orchestra hall. I don't know if you've ever, ever been there. I was doing a, yes. yeah, I was doing the commencement speech for University of Phoenix on the Minnesota campus. So there's about maybe nice. 3,500 people in there. When I finished speaking and everybody was leaving, I'm going out of the orchestra hall and there was a guy who was all tatted up. He, he, he looked like he just got off a of Harley Davidson, rough, big dude, right? And he stopped me and he said, were you the speaker? And I said, yes. <laughs> hey, Craig, I would have looked around and been like, well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's asking, right? <laughs> right? Why do you wanna know? <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, my daughter just walked across the stage despite the fact that I've been the negative influence in her life the entire mm. time. Cause I had talked about that on stage, the crabs in a barrel and the negative influence and people pulling you down and this and that. And I just looked at him and I said, well, now that you faced it, you can change it. Yeah. And, and he left with a little bit of hope in his eyes. So yeah, I think that's an important point. Where are you now? Yeah. Where do you want to go? What steps do you have to take? Love that. Thank you. No, thank you for that, that bit of inspiration, because if you hadn't faced reality, you wouldn't be where you are. And then I wouldn't be where I am. I mean, that's the thing. Here's the thing that I think is important for all of us to remember. We're so interconnected, right? And I, and I believe God places each one of us here with a certain mission and a certain purpose and maybe multiple purposes. It might not be just one thing, but if you, if you aren't willing to face reality and, and sort of step into that mission, then not only do you lose, but I think the people that you are meant to touch and that ripple effect loses. They do. In fact, I was sitting next to a guy on a plane one time. His name was Broderick Rice, and he's a gospel comedian, right? <laughs> By the way, I was still said to him, I said, I didn't even know there was, he said, I'm the number one gospel comedian in the United <laughs> States of America. I was and, like, and, I never heard of that. Exactly. And you know what he said? He said, that's why I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, I never heard of it. I but love I was, it. But he gave me this great advice when we were landing. He said, you want to speak, don't you? I said, I do want to speak. And he, he talked about all the things that were holding me back or had me talk about it. And right before, he was really dramatic. And right before the plane landed, he looked at me and he said, there is somebody waiting on the other side of your hurdle for their race to begin. Oh. And it just touched me. I've never forgotten that. And oh, then, I just got the chills. Yeah, I got the chills when he said it because it made it not about me anymore, right? Here's the thing that I can affirm. I met you through a book. Then you offered an online speaking course. I took the course. Then you were offering Lady in the Champs, which was an event you used to, speaking event you used to. Are you still doing that? 
Actually, well, when when you can do it, is that still going on? Lady I, I'm not I'm not doing it, but they they're doing it. Darren Lacroix, Mark Brown, Patricia Fripp. Those, I don't even know if Fripp's doing it anymore. So okay. they, they've renamed it. They've Got renamed it. it. Okay. Right. So anyway, it was a, it was a kind of like a two day speaking conference. So right. I decide I am going to go see my speaking hero, Craig Valentine, in person, and I'm all excited. I walk into your first live seminar, Craig, and I'm all excited because I'm thinking, oh. Ooh, what am I going to get to make my skills better? Right. How am mm-hmm. I going to, what am I going to learn to make me better? And that, that's where my head is. So I'm sitting there and you're, you're, you know, one of the things when I, when I coach and I teach and train, as I said, you know, make, make your presentation an, an experience. This right. shouldn't be just like a head lecturing. And we talk about how to make it an experience. And you did all those things. Like your, that was like a total, I felt like sensory experience in your audience. And what was so cool about it for me, Craig, was that I walked in thinking all about me and how to make Deirdre better. And I walked out thinking, how do I be better for my audience? Mm. Mm. That one shift right there will put you in the right place. You know, every time before I take the stage, I say, may I forget my, may, may I forget myself, remember my speech and touch my audience. Those yes. are my last words to remind myself before I get on stage. Cause it's not about me. It's about them. And that's the thing. And that's what I like to tell my clients. And if you, you know, listen to this podcast today, when you, when you, uh, whether or not you're a professional speaker, like Craig and me, or you're just getting up for one minute, right. At a networking meeting, or you're delivering a 10 minute internal uh, presentation at your company. Think about, this isn't about you. How do you present the material in a way that is going to really touch the hearts, touch the minds of your listener? so that you can make a positive impact in their life. And if you get in that place of always wanting to be better for your listener, wow, you will, you will be, you, you won't even believe where that can take you. It's true. And, and in sales too, for example, because I, I was the three-time salesperson of the year for McGraw-Hill, right? And the textbook company. And, and I remember going into DC public schools and there was this round table and they were going to do this textbook adoption, what they called it. And they were trying to decide Mm. which company to use. Different people would go in from different companies and make their presentation. So I go in there, dear John, I don't think I ever even told you this. I went in and I'm looking at all these intimidating looking people and they said, okay, tell us what you have. And you know what I said? I said, no, I said, no. Mm. I said, I could sit up here all day and tell you what we have. And it, it, it might not match what you need. So why don't you tell me what you need? And it was a bold move, but there was a lady who started talking about, well, we need a program that's going to meet people who are on different levels, but they want to be able to use the same book. I said, oh, well, we're talking about the reading essentials and study guide. Boom. And I went from there, but it was all about what they needed rather than what I came to say. And, you know, in world class speaking, I always say it's not about what I came to say is what you is about what you came to get. Right. Yeah. What you came to receive. That's the mindset you have to have when you go into presenting. Absolutely. So you mentioned world-class speaking. Let's talk about that for a moment. And before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts and then some speaking strategies from the master for our listeners, Craig, I, I do want to, I do want to talk about the, the, who am I to do that thinking that many people have. And I'll never forget when I came to see you live. And I don't know if you remember this, but after two days of, of being in your classes and kind of sitting in your presence and learning from you, you said to me, my world-class speaking certification program is starting next week. Would you, would you consider being one of my coaches? Right. Do you remember and even you, saying that to me? You probably I, don't. I, I remember seeing you in the audience. I remember us taking pictures afterwards. And I remember, I don't remember exactly what I said to you, but I know you joined the program. Okay. Well, you specifically asked me if I would consider it. And all I could think at the time was 
no way, not me. Who mm. am I mm. to think that I could possibly help somebody else? I mean, I'm not even where I want to be yet in my speaking career, and I'm going to actually pretend to help them. I obviously, I'll tell you how I got over that. If we, we have time, how I get over that, that, that thought process, but I obviously moved forward or we wouldn't be sitting here today. And I shudder to think if I hadn't, but what can you say to, to my listeners about that, that thought process that so many people have that hold them back, holds them back in their life. Fripp taught me something, never invalidate your own experience. You have a lot more than you think you have, but I, I think it's probably best just to share what happened to me, Deirdre, because after 1999, when I won the world championship of public speaking, I got a call from a guy who said, Craig, this is Wade Randolph, and I'd like you to coach me on my speech. And I said, Wade, I'm not a speech coach. I'm just a speaker. I wouldn't even know where to mm -hmm. start. I said, I wouldn't even know where to start. He said, I'll pay you. I said, that's a good place to start. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started coaching Wade, and we met in Washington, D.C. at the Martin Luther King Library. And I had no idea what I was doing, Deirdre. No idea yeah. what I was doing. But Wade kept coming back. Mm. I started figuring out some processes that were helping him. And then I started getting more clients and figuring out more processes. Keep in mind, probably 10% of what I did worked. Maybe 90% of what I did wasn't working. Mm. But eventually over time, I was able to discard the 90% and just focus on the 10% and find more of those. Go through the garbage to get to the gold type of thing. Yes. And, and then I found myself having lots of clients, being able to help lots of people. What it comes down to is, Jump into what you fall into. I say this all the time. Jump into what you fall into because there was a reason that you fell, right? I didn't know that I could coach anybody, but obviously I could. What I think is important, I was a guy named Malachi who's out in London who also took my course. And he came to me one day and he said, Craig, I'm talented, but not trained. Ah, yes. Many people are talented, but not trained. <laughs> talented, yep. but not trained. So what I did with the world-class speaking coach certification course is, Mitch Meyerson drove from Arizona to DC and he's my co-partner on this. We had written the book, world-class speaking and we get in the car and Mitch says, why don't we start certifying coaches? And I said, that's a great idea because then they can get the credibility that came with the book yes. and they can use that as their own credibility and take that out into the world. So we were basically transferring the credibility of world-class speaking onto them and they can go out there. But going back to your original question, don't invalidate your own experience. If you know a little bit more about a subject than somebody else, then you can coach them, mm. then you can teach them. And, and that's that's just the mindset that you have to have with that. Well, I love that. And you and you, I love the don't, how did you say you said- Don't uh, jump, invalidate your own experience. No, is before you said fall into what, oh, jump, jump into what jump you Jump into fall what you into. fall into. Yeah. I, and I love that because if I hadn't said, all right, I'm going to do this thing, I wouldn't have known that one of my superpowers is finding structure and patterns, Craig. Like I can look at any speech and go, mm -mm, that doesn't go there. That doesn't go there. That Like I can see it right away. I never would have known that skill was there if I hadn't been willing to uncover it. Right. And you wouldn't be helping as many people. And I fought tooth and nail for years and years. I would tell Darren LaCroix, I'm not, this is not what I want to do. I'm not a speech coach. I'm a speaker. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm this and that. And Darren one time looked at me and he said, Craig, you are a speech coach. And yeah. as soon as I accepted that and I jumped into what I fell into, the whole world opened up and I was able to touch way more lives than I would have by just being a motivational speaker. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are three tips as we start wrapping up? 
what are three tips that you can give my listeners? Just kind of down and dirty speaking tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite tip <laughs> is, <laughs> is to make sure that you speak to be remembered, repeated, nowadays retweeted, reposted, mm. right? And one of the ways you can do that is to tell a story and make a point that has a foundational phrase. Now, Deirdre, yeah. you know what a foundational phrase is, but a foundational phrase would be something like that. I'll give you an example. Two days after I won the world championship, if you had been walking towards me in the Chicago airport, you would have seen me with, with my wife on one side of me and me carrying this gigantic crystal trophy, right? Just walking through the Chicago airport. And of course, everybody's looking at me. Yeah. Like, who is that? And I'll be honest, Deirdre, I thought I heard a lady say, is that Denzel Washington? <laughs> You didn't have to laugh that hard. All right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but this is when I realized my, my life would never be the same. This petite lady in a pink dress runs up to me in the middle of the airport. Everybody's watching. And she starts reading the bottom of my trophy. And she says, hmm, 1999 world champion of public speaking. Wow. Say some things. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... And I was speechless. Yeah, of course. Right. But that's when I realized no matter where I go in life, people are going to say, would you mind saying some things? So I came to a fundamental understanding about my life as a speaker and really about yours, too, which is I can no longer get ready to speak. I have to stay ready to speak. Mm. And my new motto, Deirdre, is don't get ready. Stay ready. Yeah. Right. And then what I'll do is I'll ask my audience, raise your hand if you like that motto. Good, good, good. The phrase that they're going to remember is don't get ready. Stay ready. Yes. Right. People are going to remember that. They're going to repeat it. They're going to retweet it. They're going to repost it. It's going to get me rehired. I always say to people, when you get the buzz, you get the biz. Mm. When you get the yep. buzz, you get the biz. And that. so an example of that would be I gave my signature story, which has the foundational phrase of your dream is not for sale. Right. Your dream is not for sale. I gave that story in Mysore, India, on the Infosys campus. The next morning I wake up, they had slid a newspaper under my door. I picked it up. There was a big picture of me on the front cover. And the headline read, wow. your dream is definitely not for sale. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Like I said, That's it's going to awesome. be repeated. It's going to be reposted. And from that engagement, I got an engagement in Tokyo, Japan, because when you get the buzz, you get the biz. So you want to tell a story, make a point with a foundational phrase that's fewer than 10 words or do an activity and make a point with a foundational phrase that's fewer than 10 words. It should be you focused, meaning focused on the audience, and it should be rhythmic. Doesn't mean it has to rhyme. It just means it needs to be easy to say. And right? you know, I'm going to admit something here publicly. This is an area that I don't pay enough attention to mm. because it is a little bit intimidating, Craig. Like you're the master at these foundational phrases. I mean, I just want to, I just want to point out for my audience, if you notice, Craig's been doing this the whole time. He models what he mm -hmm. teaches. So if you notice, he's been telling stories the whole time and he has foundational phrases and he's making a point. That is a, a skill area that I definitely need to beef up. So I'm publicly saying I'm going to work on and pay attention to that area. Of my well, good. I, I think people remember in sound and sound bites. People are guided with phrases. It's like giving them a cheat code for the next time they're in their life. I can't tell you how many people have contacted me and said, Craig, I was stuck in this job. I was wondering what I could do. They said they were going to give me a raise. And, and I remembered your wife's words that your dream is not for sale. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And I went and I went after my dream instead of after the whatever they were giving me. I didn't That's sell awesome. out anymore. So it's like giving them a cheat code for the next fork in the road that they come to. So yeah. that's one, one tip is to make sure that you have a foundational phrase that's fewer than 10 words. Another tip is to realize, and I think this is very important, 
to realize that when you're in speaking or you're in presenting, you are in sales. Yes. Right? Thank you. You are in <laughs> sales. People try to fight me on this. I remember there was an engineer who said, I'm not in sales. I don't, I don't sell anything when I'm up here. I said, let me ask you something. When you're speaking, do you want them to listen to what you say next? He said, yeah. I said, you got to sell them on it, right? You got to sell them on just listening to what comes next. So the best presenters will embrace it. The worst ones will avoid it. And here's the sad part, Deirdre. You only have to master one formula. One formula, in my opinion. And this is it. Never sell a product. Always sell the results. Mm-hmm. Never yep. sell a service, always sell the results. Yes. Never sell an idea if you're in leadership, always sell the results. If you're in leadership, never sell change, always sell the results. If you're going for an interview, never sell yourself. Well, you know, I have 15 years of experience. Nobody cares. Right. Always sell the result. Right. And I'll give Amen. you a case. Yeah, right. I'll give you a case in point. Case in point. Decades, many decades ago, because I'm, I'm older now. I just turned 50 the other day, by the way. You did? Uh, yeah. No way, man. Yeah, man. Well, you don't look it, and happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, this picture is from 10 years ago. But yeah. I, you I look turned... the same, though. I'll, t- I'll <laughs> tell you. You look the same. I appreciate that. Thank yep. you so much. Decades ago, I went to buy my first car ever in life. And I went to the dealership, and the salesperson came up to me. And he said, are you looking at this car? I said, yes, sir. He said, great, let me tell you about it. This car has these types of brakes, this type of engine, this type of motor, this type of this. Well, what's he trying to sell me? He's trying to sell me the car, right? Right. Never sell a product, always sell the result. So I said, thank you, but no thank you, I'm not interested. I went to a different dealership on the same day, different salesperson, same car. Okay. Now, Deirdre, he must have understood where I was (laughs) mentally and emotionally at this point in my life, you know. I was young and single and, and looking to mingle. Yep. He walks up to me, says, are you looking at that car? I said, yes, sir. He said, mm, 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 you're going to look good in that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. You're going to be, oh, be yeah. flying down the road. The wind's going to be blowing through your hair and the girls will be all over you. Deirdre, what do you think I did? You bought that car. I said, where do I sign? Right. right. <laughs> he made the sale not because he sold me the car, but he sold me the results. And Deirdre, he lied. <laughs> <laughs> I was lonely. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Happen. I was lonely in that car. I'm trying oh, to tell man. you. Just, just me and my payment. That was yeah. it. <laughs> for the financial people out there, you know, me and my payment stayed together for five years. But I was That's lonely right. in that car. I tell you. Oh. So I always tell people: never sell a product, always sell the result. Love it. And, and, okay. and here, and, and go ahead, Deirdre. I was going to say third tip. Were you going to say something else though? I didn't want to cut well, you off. I was going to add to that just really yep. quickly and just say. You know, I, I tell my audiences all the time, I say, raise your hand if a year from now, you'd like to be at least three times better than the presenter you are today. Of course, all their hands go up. I say, well, then great for absolutely free for no fee. You can go to one of my websites, which is 52speakingtips.com. That's 52speakingtips.com. And every week for a year, you're going to get an audio lesson from me. And at mm. the end of that year, you will be at least three times better than the speaker you are today. Now, if we stop right there and dissect that, here's the question. What was the result? three times better, right? right? What was the resource, the website? Which one did I mention first? A lot of times people will say free, right? You mentioned free first, yeah. Yes. But it's, it's actually the result, right? So here's the addition to that formula. Never sell a product, always sell the result. Always put the result before the resource. Yeah, which is another foundational phrase, by the way. Yeah, exactly. The result before the resource. And I do want to say, now that's a legit offer, right? Can my, my listeners go there and get absolutely. that? Absolutely, and it's still okay. absolutely free. Say it again. What's the URL? It's 52speakingtips.com. That's 52speakingtips.com. 
Never sell a product, always sell the result, always put the result before the resource. In leadership, always state the result before the request. Yes. Because yes. Deirdre, if I did it the way that most people do it, the other way around, feature first, it would have sounded like this. Raise your hand if you'd like to receive 52 emails from me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might I like think, it, Craig, but I don't like it that much. Exactly. Right. I don't think my opt-in rate would be as high. So Not that's, that's another all. point. Yeah. Good. Third and final tip. Third and final tip. I'll just give you a delivery tip really quickly. And you oh, know good. this, Deirdre, but I ask my audience, like I'll bring somebody up and I'll say, I want you to pretend there are probably 500 people in the audience. This is your audience. I want you to find out how many of them have ever been to Baltimore. What would you say? Mm. Most, of the, most of the time, people will say something like, how many of you have ever been to Baltimore? And I'll stop them right there because what you want to do with your audience is you want to make sure that each person in your audience feels like you're speaking directly to him or her. That's right. So you want to do something that I call speak to one, but look, I mean, yeah, speak to one, but look to all. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it should always sound grammatically like you're speaking to one person rather than 500, but you should make sure you look to all of them. So to fix this, instead of saying, how many of you have ever been to Baltimore? I'd say, have you ever been to Baltimore? And I'd look at everybody. Or I'd say, raise your hand if you've ever been to Baltimore, right? Instead of saying something like, now some of you might be thinking, you realize there is no some of you. You would say, right. now you might be thinking, right? Or instead of many of you probably came to the conclusion, guess what? There is no many of you in case you've come to the conclusion. And so here's a test that we can give them, Deirdre. It's what I call the hallway test. If you walk by one person in the hallway and you can say it to him or her, you can take it up on stage. So Deirdre, if you and I were walking by each other in the hallway, I wouldn't look at you and say, how many of you have ever been to Baltimore? Right. right? I'd be looking around <laughs> going, who are you talking to? Exactly. There's only one me. Right. And that's what people are thinking when they're listening to you on stage. What I would say instead is, have you ever been to Baltimore? Yeah. And now we can connect. So it's speak to one, but look to all. And if you Love can do that. that, they're going to leave in that same Minnesota speech that I was telling you about. I got a, a direct message from somebody on Facebook later on, and they said, I wasn't one of the graduates, but I was one of the thousands of people in your audience. And it felt like you were speaking directly to me. Mm, mm. And that's not because of me. That's because of the process of speak to one, but look to all. Love that. And that's when you know you've hit a home run as a speaker. You've, you've hit a home run if they feel like you're speaking directly to them. So foundational phrase, make sure you sell the results and make sure you speak to one, but look to all. And you can use the hallway test to test yourself out on ah, that. So those are, those are three things, Deirdre. Thank you. Such good stuff. So Craig, where can people find you? I know you've got the 52speakingtips.com. Anywhere else you want people to go? Or is that the best place to interact with you? That's the best place. That's the front door. It's free. You're going to get a, an audio every week. You're going to get better as you go along. And like I said, at the end of that year, you will be at least three times better than the speaker or presenter you are today. So that's where that's the best place to go. That's awesome. And you can find us at crazygoodtalks.com or find me, Deirdre Van Nest, on LinkedIn. And, and you know, Craig, I just want to say, I, I really, I always give you credit where I can. You know, my work, the Crazy Good Talks Blueprint is, is based on, on your work and what you've taught me. And you've been so generous with your teaching and your intellectual property. And I just want to thank you for allowing me to kind of use what I learned from you, but put it into a format that, that sounds like Deirdre and works for me and works for my clients. So from the deepest recesses of my soul, you are one of the most influential, important people in my life. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you for being here and sharing your, your wisdom and just your magnificence with my audience today. Oh, thank you, Deirdre. And I, I've had a lot of students, but there's no student that's ever been 
better than you that's ever mm. done more than you've done that's ever touched more lives than you so i'm very proud of wow. you I'm, I'm grateful for you you have a special place in my heart so i thank you Aww. for that i didn't know that thank you craig thank you yes I just want to say one last thing because you you talked about the mindset and I always say that the skill set without the mindset will leave you upset, right? Mm -hmm. You can have all the skills in the world, but if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't really believe you can do this, it's going to be hard to do. So one of the things I suggest is just really see it in your mind before you go out there because, and I'll close with this, in the mid-1990s, I was an events planner for one of the technology expo companies. And one of my jobs was setting up the stage for the speakers, can you imagine that all the while wanting to be the speaker? Wow. So I would go into these empty auditoriums and no audience members in there. And I would move chairs around and I'd tape down cords and I'd move the lectern up front and I'd move more chairs. Around. They used to call me the chairman because I used to move so many <laughs> chairs. around. <laughs> but it never failed. Every single time I walked into one of these empty ballrooms, I'd walk up to the front, I'd stand behind the lectern and I'd look out and I'd imagine that one day somehow people were going to come to see me. Mm, and I always that. said the same thing to myself whenever I stood behind one of those lecterns. Every single time I said to myself, today I move the chairs, tomorrow I move the audience. Hopefully, in some way, if you're listening, you've been moved today. So I just want to thank you, Deidre. Got to see it to oh, be that's it. beautiful. Thank you, Craig. Outstanding. Craig Valentine and Deirdre, please get this man back on the podcast again. To make sure you stay ready, as Craig says... Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, Crazy Good Talks, and of course, share with friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.